Today, the sermon is going to be about following Jesus. And I'm going to touch on why people follow Jesus, why he asked people to follow him, what this involves, and the challenges we will face in doing so. So why did people follow Jesus? For me, some key reasons initially were hearing his words, observing his living example, through seeing or receiving his healings and miracles, through his acceptance of them, despite their who they were and their personal circumstances, and the Holy Spirit at work drawing people to him by God's will. But why did Jesus ask people to follow him? Jesus' first words to many would be, would be like, sorry, Jesus' first words to many who would like to become his disciple was, follow me. This would begin for them a journey with him regarding discipleship and mission. He wanted them to be a part of his kingdom, but also to spread his good news, the gospel about himself, to the world. This table shows the instances when Jesus gave his command. Can you see that? Right. Quite a few. The majority are in John. Looking at the four gospels, I noted 12 instances when Jesus said, follow me. The first being when he calls Peter and Andrew to be his disciples, as we see in Mark 1, verses 16 and 17. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, and they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. Both Peter and Andrew had been followers of Jesus for about a year at this point, but for some reason they had returned to their normal work. Jesus calls them to abandon their current work and follow him full time. This was a cost to them, as they left everything they knew and trusted, their father's business, and the hired servants they would have been, that would have been like brothers in arms to them, to follow Jesus. A quote from A.W. Tozer. A true disciple does not consider Christianity a part-time commitment. He has become a Christian in all parts of his life. He has reached a point where there is no turning back. Amen. Jesus called people to abandon their lives to follow him. He carried his cross throughout his life for our salvation denying his rights and himself to fulfill the will of his father. Jesus said he goes about doing his father's work, and since his ascension to heaven, he has also commissioned us to work with him and to live a life of sacrifice and self-denial according to his will and purposes. So why did Jesus say to Peter and Andrew he, would like, he wanted them to make them fishers of men? The ESV study Bible links this to a prophecy in Jeremiah 16, verse 16. Behold, I am sending for many fishers, declares the Lord, and they shall catch them. And afterward I will send for, my hunter, for many hunters, and they shall hunt them from every mountain and every hill and out of the clefts of the rocks. The context of this verse is regarding purification, but it's also a calling for the Gentiles. Who would Jesus use to give God's invitation of salvation to the Gentiles? It would be Peter. So now I would like us to look at the characteristics of fishermen, and that includes you as also, ladies. They have to be prepared. They prepare nets and themselves for the job at hand. They need to be ready for any situation they may face, like bad weather, and develop skills, wisdom and knowledge through their experience and failures. We also need to be prepared in Christ Jesus through our experiences and failures. Notice I said failures as well. We do learn from our failures. Yes. If you don't, you need to get a head check, I think. Yeah. 
because your failures tell you that that didn't work. Yeah. So don't do it again. <laughs> they need to weather the storm when they come. Storms are an occupational hazard for fishermen. But take heart. After a storm, there can be an abundance of fish to catch. Now, I did s- study that. I wanted to double check. Am I right in what I'm saying here? And yes, after a storm, some fishermen get an abundance of fish. Can you believe that? Anyway. We will face storms and tribulations, but when we come through them, we reap the rewards. They need to be patient. Any fisherman will tell you lots of time is spent sitting, waiting for something to happen. They stay in a state of readiness or do something else beneficial. I mean, if you're a fisherman and you're waiting for that fish, no point in you going to the toilet and coming back, is it? Fish might have gone by then. You've got to wait. This makes sense, doesn't it? Take a ball. Anyway. When we follow Jesus, there's always something for us to do. When something does happen, we need to be ready and willing to go into action. They need to have the right equipment. Using a net will catch more fish than using a shotgun or dynamite. They want fish, not sushi. We need to be equipped with the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. They need to be in the right place at the right time. They don't fish in the paddling pool. They need to go where the fish are. We need to follow the Holy Spirit's leadings, even if we don't want to go there. Fishermen become more confident as they gain more experience. We grow in faith and maturity as we walk with Jesus in his new life. They need to return to shore to repair or replace worn nets and replenish supplies. We also need to stay in God's presence to keep receiving his strength and love to continue with the task at hand. I feel all these points apply to us even today who follow Jesus. Jesus called people to follow him out of his compassion for them. Many times we see Jesus' heart going out to the people. He even cried for Jerusalem as he approached the gates for the final time on Palm Sunday, knowing their future outcome and also for his ultimate battle for us at the cross. Jesus forced no one to follow him. But he made sure he gave a clear argument why we should. His Bible, his living word and the empowering Holy Spirit still declare today and every day why we should follow him. You will realise that he came to seek you out of the world. While you were far from him with one intention to save you and to build his kingdom. Luke 19 verse 10. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. He commissions us to go out into the world to be his salt and light. We are not to become like the world, but to change the world by the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. Luke 11.23 says, He who is not with me, believing in me as Lord and Saviour, is against me. There is no impartial position. And And he who does not gather with me, assisting in my ministry, scatters. Jesus' command to follow him, I feel, has three main aspects. His calling you out of the world. His preparation or preparing you to serve him. And finally, God sending you out as his ambassador to preach and reveal the good news of Jesus himself. Who he is, what he did, and what he continues to do. What does it involve to follow Jesus? When we follow Jesus, we have to acknowledge our sin before God and that we need a saviour, Jesus Christ. Romans 3.23 says, 
For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Through this, Jesus teaches us how to be faithful to God. Jesus was faithful in all things, and we can only do this by following his example. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in this heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. Following Jesus means living by the Spirit. We need to let the Holy Spirit lead our lives. If we believe Jesus is our rock, our salvation and our hope, we must trust him in all things. If not, we have not submitted everything to him as he did according to the Father's will. Just because he doesn't do things as we would, that doesn't stop him being almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing and all-doing. He remains ever faithful, ever loving, ever gracious and ever merciful to us. We receive a character and heart transplant by following him. The disciples were always challenged to walk in faith with him, both when he walked the earth with them, but even more so when he was resurrected. How much more us now the Holy Spirit has been given to us who believe and follow him? Luke 9, verses 23 to 26. And he was saying to them all, if anyone wishes to follow me as my disciple, he must deny himself, set aside selfish interests and take up his cross daily expressing a willingness to endure whatever may come and follow me, believing in me, conforming to my example and living, and if need be, suffering, or perhaps dying because of faith in me. For whoever wishes to save his life in this world will eventually lose it through death. But whoever loses his life in this world, for my sake, he is the one who will save it from the consequences of sin, creation from God. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world, wealth, fame, success, and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed here and now of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory, and the glory of the Heavenly Father and of the Holy Angels. When we follow Jesus, we need to learn to let go of everything we know and hold dear. Key examples are the disciples, Nicodemus, the rich young man, tax collectors and the Pharisees. Jesus said we may lose everything, even family relationships or friends, through following him. Following Jesus requires preparation for us from him. God has prepared you since before you were born, before you became a believer. And once you become a believer, he continues to prepare you for eternity with him. When God asks us to follow him, that is an invitation to get involved in every aspect of our life. But we also need to get involved with what God wants us to do. What may be uncomfortable and scary sometimes, but he does not do it to discourage us, but to strengthen us and others. We will never find out what God has done. No, we will never find out what God has for us and others if we don't get involved. I'm just reminded of Angie jumping off the water tower. Not something I would do, but bless you, because you've encouraged others to support you. In it. He can work powerfully through us once we get involved. At times we willingly get involved, other times God will need to press us to get involved. Church, I urge you not to wait for God to press you. Believe me, I have a large wardrobe of t-shirts on that one. <laughs> We need to do as Jesus did and be involved in people's lives. That's how he touched hearts 
And that's how we will be used to touch others' hearts. We grieve God when we despise or abuse his creation. He teaches us to be gracious even when we don't feel like it. Or the person who we are dealing with doesn't deserve it. We didn't deserve it and we didn't deserve his love. But he lavishes us with his grace. So we must show it to others no matter how they treat us. Matthew 6 verse 14. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. He shows us how to forgive others and ourselves in following him. Sometimes it's harder for us to forgive ourselves than to forgive others. Look at Peter and Paul. Both felt they had let down Jesus badly and didn't deserve his love or his mercy. But he forgave them, restored them, and he used them powerfully to build his church. The church is still growing to this day through their teachings and through their encouragement. We must forgive others and ourselves to allow God to work through us for others to receive his blessings and their restoration. God loves you as you are, not for what you can do for him. He doesn't need any of us to fulfill his purposes, but he wants us to be involved and enjoy being involved. He teaches us to take the focus off of us and focus on what God needs us to do for him. We need to learn to say and think yes to Jesus and no to ourselves when it counts. When we say yes to Jesus as being our Lord's saviour, we allow more of his will and purposes into our lives. For me, I will never look back on saying yes to Jesus. And every other yes since that draws me closer to him. It draws me closer to the Trinity and it draws me closer to others who he brings across my path in my journey with him. I'll just add, I do appreciate the yes I said to my wife as well and that she said yes as well. I'm sure Andy said the same for Colette. We learn to keep our eyes on him in every situation. When we do this, we receive more of him and he strengthens us for every battle we will face and we become more like him. When the world sees less of us and more of Jesus, we begin to succeed in what God has called us to do. Keep your eyes on him and he will guide you away from or out of the snares we so easily fall into intentionally or unintentionally. I'll stress that. Some of us will do things for the best intentions and it may not pan out. Okay, you made a mistake. Get yourself back up and start again. But if you intentionally start to do things that you're not supposed to, like your Bible is calling you, you can see the Bible there, but the TV's on, the Avengers are on, and you think, oh, let me just see the end of this film. Let me just see the end of this film. The Bible's, the Bible's there, they're saying, you haven't done your Bible reading, you haven't done your Bible reading, you haven't done your Bible reading. But the Avengers are still on. Captain America is more important than the Bible. No. All I say is, we've got to prioritise some things. Be careful, church. Keep your eyes on him alone, or you may be distracted to follow things not of God's will for your lives. Jesus gave many warnings about being deceived by what might look or sound like God, but is not. Following Jesus humbles us. We are completely disarmed and transparent in his presence. Nothing is hidden to him. He is the only person who will never take advantage of your vulnerabilities or use them against you. You are completely safe and can be completely yourself in his presence, feeling no undeserved judgment or condemnation. Only one creature condemns, but the master never condemns us. Remember Jesus' words to the woman who would have been stoned if Jesus had not stepped in. 
in John 8, verses 10 and 11. Jesus stood up and said to a woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. He can only be truth, we can only be truthful in his presence, just as he is truthful always to us. He desires a complete, committed relationship with us, with no lies, no masks, just pure, unconditional love and honour between us. Do you realise that God honours you? That's true. He does. Just the bare fact that he's called you and opened your eyes, that's an honour. Same way we honour him, he honours us. God uses everyday people to do extraordinary things through him. A scrawny shepherd boy defeats a giant. He then becomes Israel's king and author of some of the most encouraging and challenging texts in the Bible even today. A lowly fisherman becomes the one who is the first to preach the good news to the masses after Jesus' ascension and opens the door for Gentiles to be joined to the church. Were they perfect? No. Are we perfect? No. But we all serve a perfect God and he will work his perfect ways through us and around us. By following Jesus, we reflect his characteristics like love, grace, mercy, compassion, wisdom, integrity, honesty, and righteousness. Always be ready to serve those in need, no matter where we are or who we are with. I think that's the biggest challenge for young people today. With the peer pressure, not looking cool. But you know what? It's like um, people that used to study. In my day, people who used to study hard were the nerds. And you weren't cool if you studied hard and wanted an education. And it's completely flipped now, isn't it? Yeah. Big bang theory and all of that foolishness. But it's all, it's all trend now, isn't it? To be smart, to be into comics. All that, before, no one wanted to do that. But now it's all trendy. God can flip things. By following Jesus, we've, yeah, we've done that one. Acts 20, 24, Amplified Version says, But I do not consider my life as something of value or dear to me, so that I may with joy finish my course and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus, to testify faithfully of the good news of God's precious undeserved grace, which makes us free of the guilt of sin and grants us eternal life. Amen. We realize we live in both a physical and spiritual reality by following him. Our thinking has to adapt to this and we must act accordingly. Again, that's a falsehood that a lot of the world has fallen into. The devil was put into the world. There is no devil. There is no God. But once you accept there's a God, you've got to accept there's a devil. Yeah? Even scientists are now coming to realisation that this world was not a big bang by accident, but the work of an author. Someone had to put it in play. Someone holds it together. It doesn't happen by accident that acknowledges that there is a God. We've got to keep pressing to people that this world is not it. There is more to life. In following Jesus, we make sure we never forget what he and the whole Trinity have done for us, are doing for us, and will do for us. We also ensure we share with others the same truth God has revealed to us. So what are the challenges to follow Jesus? Jesus had to endure, Jesus had to die to himself to embrace and endure the cross for us. 
However difficult it is for us, we must embrace and endure our cross, all trials set before us for the glory of God. This goes against all our rational thinking and emotions, but God uses the things of man's ways to fulfill his infinitely better and purposeful will. Galatians 2.20 encourages us to follow Jesus in the battle we continually face in ourselves. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. We must endure many things, just as Jesus endured many things for us at the cross, to follow him. Hebrews 12, verses 1 to 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. We can't allow hindrances or distractions to stop us from following Jesus. The greatest ones could be power, fame, money, the other sex, work, family, but the key one will probably be ourselves. Let me clarify when I talk about family. I don't mean looking after or loving your family. I mean when your family try to take you away or discourage you from following Jesus. About ourselves, I mean when we allow pride into our hearts and think more of ourselves than we should. When it's more about us, and less about him. A quote from Charles Spurgeon. Beware of no man more than of yourself. We carry our worst enemies within us. When we follow Jesus, we declare war on our flesh and the world. The Holy Spirit battles your fleshly desires until they fall in line with God's will. He teaches us how to tame our tongues and ensure our faith can be seen through our works for God. As our sanctification through the work of the Spirit is an ongoing process, we need to crucify the flesh regularly, so the Spirit's power changes us into the living image of Jesus. Our own flesh will work against us in following Jesus, but we must persevere and remain faithful to God's will and purposes. We must die to ourselves and live for and in Jesus Christ, our Lord Saviour. We need to learn from him how to surrender all we have and know to him so he can readjust us in every way to his kingdom living and thinking. Mark chapter 10 from verse 17. And as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God God alone. You know the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. And Jesus looked at him, loved him, and said to him, You lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them again, Children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. 
It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. Peter began to say to him, See, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel, who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. Let me just draw your attention to verse 30. Or from verse 28. In verse 28 you lose something, don't you? Yeah? He says, if you follow me, you're going to lose all of this. But look at the next verse. But those who do will receive a hundredfold. Hundredfold. So you may lose one house. You follow him, you may gain up to a hundred. That's good mathematics in my my head. I don't know about you. So you're not giving up anything, you're gaining. Yeah? Anyone that would disagree with that? No? Good, you're all good mathematicians, that's good. That adds up. Jesus showed us the greatest example of surrender by emptying himself of some of his infinite power as God to become fully human and live by the constraints the human body brings, such as eating, needing rest, being able to be hurt, enduring pain, suffering, and even death. His painful but willing death made a way back to the Father, who had sent him. Surrender did not mean defeat, but victory for all those who believe in him, and he leads us to know and enjoy what God wants for us. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Again, look at the scripture. It says you will suffer, but it's only short term. Yeah? So what feels like you're never going to come through now will pass. You have to endure for Jesus. He empowers us to persevere for his glory, his kingdom, and for others. Jesus wants to make sure all his family persevere together, not alone. So we must commune regularly with him and his people to ensure this. A quote from the Version Bible plan, Pursue the Passion. Perseverance should not be self-driven, but it must be God-driven. He endured much, so we would never have to endure what he endured. Not just the cross, not just rejection from the very people we came to save, but separation from the presence of God. Jesus is very clear that we will face opposition, but be encouraged. He is always with us and will take us through everything, no matter the situation. Again, I'm going to make an Avenger reference here. Has, has everyone know about the new uh, hammer that Thor has called Stormbreaker? Yeah. Have you seen it? In a, yeah? Good. You've got a reference then. He has a hammer, Thor. He's supposed to be the god of thunder. See, he, has, he has a hammer. Yeah? If I had a hammer. Anyway. <laughs> With this hammer, he can cause storms. He causes lightning to come. All things happen when he uses this hammer. Yeah? yeah? But he calls it a Stormbreaker. I don't know why. He calls it storms. He doesn't break them. But Jesus is a storm breaker. Read the Bible. 
when he's with the disciples and there's a storm and he's sleeping and he says, be, be gone storm and it disappears, yeah? When he walks on water to them, there's a storm again and he comes and it stills once he's there. Jesus is a storm breaker. He's your storm breaker if you choose to allow him to be a storm breaker. I think that's my last Avengers reference. Following Jesus gives us the courage and strength to face the trials we face as believers. He gives us assurance that God will always take us through whatever we face. Sometimes we will fail or slip up, but God's grace is sufficient to help us learn from our mistakes and do better for next time. If we keep seeking to please him with our lives and give testimony of his goodness. He invites us into what seems to this world the upside down principles of God's kingdom when we follow him. For example, at Jesus' trial before Pilate and the Pharisees, the eternal judge of the world allowed the world at that time to judge him. We as believers are constantly judged by others in our walk with and in him. But at the end of the age, it is said we will judge with the Lord Jesus' ultimate judge, the world and fallen angels. Believe me, church, the momentary discomforts we feel in this life are nothing compared to what awaits sadly those who reject the precious gift of salvation available in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. Lastly, why is it good for us to follow Jesus? When we accept Jesus' invitation to follow him, we begin our most fulfilling, exciting and scariest journey we will ever take. But it's the best journey and choice we will ever make in this lifetime and the life to come. Death is not the end for us, but the beginning of something new and better. Following him starts the journey of making things new in us and around us. When we follow Jesus, we recognise that we've been raised up for his purposes. Philippians 2 verse 13. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. We can walk in the full potential God has placed in us when we follow him, and we can also help others discover their own God-given potential. He shows us we are warriors for his kingdom. Ephesians chapter 6 verses 10 to 18 talks about the armour of God with some items useful for defence but some to be used for attack. We have to fight to defend his name and to progress his kingdom. To enable his will to be seen here on earth as it is in heaven. We need to be proactive and intentional on the offensive to ensure we take part in God's plan to share his gospel to all the nations. In following Jesus, he invites us to share in his victory. He defeated death and sin at the cross and made a way so we could live victoriously in this life. Let me tell you, church, I don't like to be on the losing team. Do you? No. He brings you freedom when you follow him. We must use the freedom given to us by Jesus to help others receive their freedom and his new life. Romans 6.22 says, But now that you've been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. Following him makes us realise God is enough for us in everything. We find true fulfilment in him. The Holy Trinity is greatly interested in every aspect of our life, even the insignificant parts. God's concern is not just for your heart, but also your mind, body and soul. He needs to fill every cell in you to thoroughly regenerate you into his new creation. And when I say regenerate here, I'm not talking about a time lord. Yeah? 
Doctor Who, who comes back looking different every time, younger sometimes. <laughs> He's going to regenerate you as you are into something better, the best that you can be. When we take our pain and concerns to God, he can begin to heal us. God will fill you with himself to overflowing. Out of his abundant overflow, others are blessed through us and around us. That's one thing I can testify of being a Christian. When I go into a different workplace or go into a different area, something happens. Now, I haven't done it, believe me. I don't do anything in my own strength. But God changes things. He changes the environment around you. In the, the home that you live, the area changes. How, how come, we've seen the transformation in the last 10 years, maybe more. Harlow has been transformed. And I believe it's because there's a bigger church movement. There's more churches. Stronger churches. There's street pastors. There's more initiatives. Food bank. All of this. Christians, you can make an impact. God can make an impact through you and around you. So it's not just you that benefits, it's the world that benefits. Right. Amen? Amen. Okay. Jesus opened the door for God's wisdom to enter us and lead our lives to honour God when we follow him. His wisdom is about action and character. He reveals his wisdom and knowledge to us, showing us his purposes for our lives and others. He fills that God-shaped hole every person has until God fills it with Jesus. When we follow him, we start and continue to live and speak according to the example he has set. The disciples lived by his, his example when he walked the earth with them, but they progressed to another level once the Holy Spirit empowered them to live by Jesus' example and encouraged and even challenged others to do the same. A quote from C.S. Lewis. You can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. He teaches us how to embrace God's standard of living by following him. He leads us into a life of humility, integrity, forgiveness, grace and faith. He teaches us to look beyond looks and physical things. He wants us to look deeper at a person's heart or their situation. Following Jesus brings his peace into our lives. John 16, verse 33. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus becomes our anchor through hope in him. Hebrews 6, verse 19. This hope, this confident assurance we have as an anchor of the soul, it cannot slip and it cannot break down under whatever pressure bears upon it. A safe and steadfast hope that enters within the veil of the heavenly temple, the most holy place in which the very presence of God dwells. Through following Jesus, God's word comes alive to us. And we are able to hear his voice through the noise and madness of this world. This allows us to hear the word of God and put it into action. I don't know about you, over the years I've had to learn to let go of things. To let a lot of things slide because it's not worth the stress. I'm teaching my son that at the moment. You know, young people are up in the air with everything. I'm saying, look, life's too short. And you'll drop dead with a heart attack at the rate you're going. No. I'm not saying don't care about things, church. I'm saying some things are not worth your effort. You know? 
God's in control. At the end of the, if you truly believe God's in control, let it go. Let God deal with it. He enables his believers to talk directly to God in a mutual relationship of love and respect and allows God to talk back to us in whatever way he deems fit. It is a personal, deep, loving, empowering relationship which lacks nothing but provides everything we will ever need or hope for. Some may hear his audible voice. Some may receive salvation through prophecy. So receive revelation I don't know if that's a prophetic slip there anyway through prophecy prayer reading or hearing his word a song or an encouraging word from someone God speaks to us in many ways we need to be still and quiet enough to tune in to how he wants to communicate with us he may use some of the above or something completely new for us but he will never contradict his word or his promises in doing whatever he does to speak to you He used a donkey one time, and I'm not talking about the one in the Shrek movies. So just be warned, he still uses the cross to speak to many hearts even today. Following Jesus continues the reunion between mankind and God and restore what was lost at the fall of man. We also learn how to build and maintain strong relationships through him. God always wanted to have a relationship with mankind. We have to reflect that desire to others so they can enjoy a relationship with God too. We can't be like in the schoolyard church where, and it's happening even today, you like someone but you don't want anyone else to be friends with them, don't you? You get very protective, very jealous. You can't be, you can't be his friend, he's my friend. Vice versa. And I think that's why it happens with all these issues with young people today. At jealousy and bullying and stuff like that. It's just because someone is not their friend and they kick off. You have a relationship with the greatest person ever to walk this earth. Jesus Christ, our Lord Saviour. Why would you keep that from someone? I don't want to pay the consequence for doing that. I would urge you not to do the same. Relationships are very important and essential to the Trinity. They function seamlessly together with no confusion, distraction or dispute. God is aimed for his children. John chapter 1 verse 12 states, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Following Jesus transforms strangers into brothers and sisters in Christ. This brings adoption into God's eternal family and opportunity to enter into a greater and richer presence of God and his kingdom. Jesus treats everyone equally. He shows no favourites, and accepts people no matter who they are or what they've been through if they follow him. We are blessed when we follow Jesus and receive his precious salvation, redemption and regeneration. It's always to our benefit to follow Jesus. For he's always led by the Father to ensure we will not be lost but be transformed into his image and character. Through Jesus we can receive this promise and live a new life in him. No longer afraid or awaiting the to face the wrath of God, but able to enjoy his great pleasure in us and us in him. By following him, we understand the depths of his love for us. We start to comprehend the great cost he paid for us while we were still sinners. We can never repay what Jesus has paid for us or for all his followers in every generation. 
we now see what God has saved us from and what he has invited us into. He shows his love towards us purely out of his grace and through nothing we have done. We truly don't deserve his love or grace, but he lavishes us with all things because he loves us. He continues to show his great love to his bride, the church, and those who are a part of his body. Jesus lived to give others his life no matter what the cost. We must strive to live for him so others may see his life in us and by the work of the Holy Spirit that they may come alive in him. 1 John 3 verse 16 By this we know and have come to understand the depth and essence of his precious love that he willingly laid down his life for us because he loved us and we ought to lay down our lives for the believers. Following Jesus reveals to us he is who he says he is. Our Lord, Saviour, fully man and fully God, the only true Son of God who came to reconcile all mankind back to the Father. 1 Peter 3 verse 18. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. Through following him, we get to know the Heavenly Father through Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Jesus' priorities were always led and in line with the Father's will. So it must be for all those who would follow Jesus. In following him, he reveals the Trinity's great love for us. He reveals the lengths they were willing to go to to make us part of their extended eternal family. It shows the value they have for us, so we must acknowledge their abundant grace and mercy through their great love. By following him, we make him our purpose in this life and the life to come. His purposes become our purposes, and we follow his leading to bless others and maybe generations not yet seen. When we follow Jesus, he prepares us for his triumphant return, and he is coming back. Believe me, church, and we need to be ready. When every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I love the songs that Carmela picked this morning just confirmed everything that I was going to bring today. So bless you. We are also able to see and play a part in advancing the kingdom of God for the glory of the Father and our love for God. When we follow him, we ensure he will acknowledge and reward us on his return. When he submits all things to his rule and makes all things new, vanquish and evil, sin and death forever from his presence and ours. So in summary, seven Ps to follow. I'm reminded of Blockbuster there. P, P please. Oh, anyway. um, seven Ps to follow Jesus according to the Pursue the Passion U version Bible plan. One, prepare for him and prepare others to follow him. Persevere with him through all life brings. Participate in him and encourage others to do the same. For people, ensure you keep healthy relationships with them, but also invest in people. Five, pursue his will throughout your life. Pray to him for all things and in every situation. And lastly, purpose. Make his purpose your purpose in all things. So church, in following Jesus, he will lead you into so much more than you can imagine or comprehend. So don't wait and don't miss out. This is available now to you by his grace and mercy. To him be all the glory and all the honour and all the praise. Amen. 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 So I'm just going to say a quick prayer and then we'll go straight into communion. Do we have four servers for yeah, communion? Okay, if you want.